We're going to be looking at Jeremiah chapter 32 today, and and I realized after I finished writing the sermon and was thinking about it a little bit later on that I kind of just did Hebrews chapter 11 from my own perspective. So if you want an inspired version of this sermon, read Hebrews chapter 11. Not that this won't be, I hope this will be good. I'm trusting it'll be good. I'm just not, I'm not the Holy Spirit, so his is always better. Um, But if you want to, if you want to, it's a different perspective, it's a different look at the same topic of faith. And so I won't say any more. Hebrews chapter 32, it's, it's what does it look like? Ask yourself the question, what does it look like to live by faith? Jeremiah's life is a testimony to it. He, Jeremiah chapter 32, you can follow along in the sermon notes. It's also displayed on the screen. By the way, context, Jeremiah is under house arrest right now. Nebuchadnezzar's camped outside the city. King Zedekiah doesn't like what he has to say, so he's got Jeremiah under house arrest. Um, So this is the context. Jeremiah said, The word of the Lord came to me. Hananiah, son of Shamuel, your uncle, is going to come to you and say, Buy my field at Anathoth. Remember, Nebuchadnezzar's camping on it. Because as nearest relative, it is your right and duty to buy it. Then, just as the Lord had said, my cousin Hanamel came to me in the courtyard of the garden and said, Buy my field at Anathoth in the territory of Benjamin, since it is your right to redeem it and possess it. Buy it for yourself. I knew that this was the word of the Lord. So I bought the field at Anathoth for my cousin Hanamel and waited out for him. Seventeen shekels of silver. I signed and sealed the deed, had it witnessed and weighed out the silver on the scales. I took the deed of purchase, the sealed copy containing the terms and conditions, as well as the unsealed copy, and I gave this deed to Baruch, son of Neriah, the son of Messiah, in the presence of my cousin Hanamel and of the witnesses who had signed the deed and of all the Jews sitting in the courtyard of of the guard. In their presence, I gave Baruch these instructions. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Take these documents, both sealed and unsealed copies of the deed of purchase, and put them in a clay jar so they will last a long time. For this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Houses, fields, and vineyards will again be bought in this land. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus Christ, make us holy, sanctify us by the truth, because your word is inspired by the Holy Spirit. Your word is truth and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, to equip us, the servants of God, for every good work. So make it happen, Holy Spirit. In your name we pray. Amen. We and by we, I think us in this room, but as a society, I think we, we talk a lot about faith, don't we? We say things like, you just got to have faith. When there's a baseball team that you want to go to the next thing, you, you say, you just got to believe, right? We, we talk a lot about faith, but when you sit down and ask somebody, if you ask somebody, you believe that your team's going to make it to the next round, what do you mean? Right? We say you just got to have faith, but we don't always understand or in our minds have an idea of what does it mean to believe. What exactly does it mean to have 
faith. And, and so to make this a little bit more concrete this morning, to move from an abstract idea like what is faith to what does faith look like, I want to do two things with you this morning. I want to spend a little bit of time unpacking briefly four characteristics of faith. Now, these aren't the only four characteristics of faith, but they're the four we're going to talk about today. So if you're like, well, there's more to it, you're right, but these are the four we're going to talk about. There's always more. So we're going to talk about four characteristics of faith, and then we're going to I'll just give some examples of what does faith look like. And on the back side of your sermon notes, um, you'll, you'll see just this long laundry list. So somebody, if I start going 45 minutes, just cut me off. There's plenty of work for you to do here. I promise it won't go 45, although I can't promise that. You never know it'll happen. Um, all right, so characteristics of faith. This will be a little bit of a teaching sermon, okay? A little bit of a teaching sermon. Characteristic number one, faith trusts. And, and when we talk about faith, and I want to talk, we want to talk about it today from a distinctively Christian perspective. We're not talking about, I believe that my team will make it to the next round. We're not saying you just got to believe in that perspective. But when we talk about faith as Christians, faith trusts. And it trusts something, someone specifically. Right? We, we can say in our lives that we trust a lot of different things, like you trust the people who are in your lives. Husbands, you trust your wives. Wives, you, you trust your husbands. Right? Parents, you, you, to a certain extent, trust your kids. Kids, you should trust your parents that they know what they're talking about. Right? We trust the people in our lives. We, we trust our jobs to, to give us a paycheck when we've worked. Right? And we trust that the money that we've earned from the paycheck will be able to pay our bills. Right? If you're retired, you're trusting that the nest egg you've set aside is going to last until you make it to heaven. And maybe when the stock market blows up, you're like, oh no, what's going on right now? Right? You, when you buy insurance, you trust that the insurance company is going to follow through on their end of the arrangement that you have with them. We trust a lot of things, but all of those things are not the ultimate thing. Right? In fact, if we make any of these other things the ultimate thing, then we've fallen into idolatry. We're trusting something, someone that is not God. So there's a certain level of trust that we have for, for people, for relationships, for institutions, for bank accounts, for income, right? We trust those things to a, an extent. But when we talk about faith in the church, the right kind of faith, we're saying faith trusts God. And we've got to be more specific than that. Guys, you can throw that one up there. Faith trusts God. And a specific God, right? Not just God in the generic, God in the general, because a lot of people, you walk out into the world and there's a lot of people who say, I believe in God. But when we talk about faith from a Christian perspective, we're saying, I believe in God. Well, the Father who created me. God the Father who created me, hands, eyes, ears, mind, members, reason, abilities, the God who sustains and nurtures and guards and keeps me day after day, because, not because I earned or deserved, because He's my good Father in heaven. Faith trusts God, the Son. You know, the Son who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, the one who was born of the Virgin Mary, the one who suffered under Pontius Pilate, the one who was crucified, died, was buried. We confess this every Sunday. We say, I believe in the Son who, who rose again, who ascended to heaven, and one day is coming back for us. Faith trusts God, the Spirit. 
who breathes life and faith into us, who daily forgives our sins through the, through the church, the, the one who will resurrect us on the last day, the one who makes us holy by water, word, and, and wine. That's the God that we believe in. Faith trusts God with whom nothing is impossible. Impossible, in fact, in God's, in God's mind is not even part of His vocabulary. He doesn't know what the word means. Because He cares for you. He can do all things. Right? And God's purpose, your God's purpose, Father, Son, and Spirit, God's purpose, mission in your life is to save you. His motivation is grace, His love for you. And His power is great to accomplish His work in your life. See, faith, at its very very beginning, faith trusts God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And because faith trusts this God, faith also, this is number two, faith accepts God's Word as truth. You've got to flip this around for a minute. If you don't trust this person who's speaking to you, do you trust what they say? Right? If their lips are moving, but you don't, believe, you, don't, you don't think they're a trustworthy person, or they've turned on you before, or they've let you down before, or they've done something to you before, or they haven't spoken the full truth in the past, or they've been wrong in the past, when they say them something to you, do you believe what they say? Maybe. We, we might accept it with a grain of salt as something that we might say, or we might verify it or corroborate it with somebody else. We're, we're, there's, a, there's a part of us that doesn't fully accept what they have to say. Even, even the most reliable person who speaks to you, I hope you do this to me, and I hope I'm reliable too. Right? I hope you're doing this with my sermons and Pastor Krieger's sermons too. Not that we're untrustworthy, but I hope you're saying, is that what God says? Because ultimately, we're fallible, we're, we're, we're sinners, we're, we're, we're weak, and we're not perfect. So the words that we prepare for you on a Sunday morning, we aim for them to be true and trustworthy and reliable and based on God's Word. But it's possible, not on purpose, that something would sneak in. Right? So even with the most reliable person, you're going to have a level of, I need to check this with truth. But we don't have that same kind of relationship, do we, with the Word of God? Because God has always been reliable. God has always been true. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So if we trust God, which by faith we do, then we also trust His Word. And, and what do we know about the Word of God? We know that the Bible, it's… What, is this, what does Paul say? He tells us that all Scripture is inspired. It's God-breathed. And it's useful for us, for everything, for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that you, the people of God, are, are equipped for every good thing. Right, and where did this Bible that we study from, where does this Word that we base everything on come from? Well, it didn't come from a prophet's own imagination. It's not like Paul or Peter went into a back smoke-filled room and, and wrote something down and then said, here you go. It didn't come from their own imagination. These prophets, these apostles, these people who wrote down the Word of God, they were, they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. 
so that the Bible that we teach you out of, the Bible that we encourage you to read, the Scriptures are God's Word, 100% from beginning to end. Right? So if you're following me, faith trusts God, and if faith trusts God, then it accepts His Word as truth. Because it's God's Word, not man's Word, not human being's Word, God's Word. And if we accept that God's Word is truth, here's number three, then faith acts. It, it gets busy, right? Martin Luther talks about faith, and he says, faith is this living, breathing thing. It doesn't ever sit still, but it's always moving, always trusting, always hoping, always believing, always acting in faith. And, and isn't this sometimes where there's this disconnect between faith and life? We, we confess, I believe in God the Father Almighty who, who protects me and guides me and guards me every step of the way, and then we worry, we, 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 we believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for all of our sins, and that baptism clothes us with the robe of Christ's righteousness, and then we walk around in guilt and shame. We, we say that God will guard and keep us, but then we worry, right? There, there's this disconnect between, what we, between the trust that we say we have, and I believe we have it, it's just weak sometimes, the faith that we confess and the life that we live. See, and faith is always living on the basis of what it believes, right? We're, we're going to spend a little bit more time on this, not a lot because there's a lot to say, but Jeremiah, he acts in faith, right? He's, Nebuchadnezzar is camped on the land. He's under house arrest, and his cousin Hanamel says, come buy this piece of land, which, by the way, in just a few days, Nebuchadnezzar is going to take all of us captive. Here, right, talk about bad time to buy a house. And Jeremiah does it. He acts on the basis of God's Word because he knows houses and buildings, and land, houses and buildings will be built again, land will be bought again here. Right? He acts on the basis of what he believes. So faith trusts, faith accepts, faith acts, and, and faith testifies. This is the other thing you see with Jeremiah. Faith testifies to what is true. See, Jeremiah was not just acting when he acted in faith in this way. He was not acting for himself alone. He was acting for everybody else listening and everybody else watching. Why do, you, why do you think there were witnesses part of this transaction? Part of it was the legal, legal issues of the time. This is how we have to do it legally. But then they seal it up in a clay jar for generations to come. Why? So that the people then, and the people yet to come, and the people who would come back would all know God's Word is true. See, Jeremiah living in this way, living by faith in this way, was, giving, was leaving a testimony to everybody else who was watching, to the God who is true, to the God who speaks what is true, and what it looks like for us to live as God's people who trust their God and who trust His Word. See, the way that we live gives a testimony. It's not just what we say, but it's how we live that gives a testimony to what we believe to the people who are around us. So, so those are the characteristics of faith. Faith trusts God. 
Father, Son, and Spirit. Faith accepts His Word and holds it as truth. Even when we don't get it, we say, this is what God said, therefore I believe it. Faith lives on the basis that it acts. And, and for faith testifies. By living, it testifies to what is true. So now, what does that look like? What does that look like? I think you kind of know where this is going a little bit already. It looks like Jeremiah. Guys, you can throw up the first picture. It, it, it looks like Jeremiah, who's, who's under house arrest. He can't go anywhere. He has some measure of freedom. He's in the king's palace because King Zedekiah doesn't like what he has to say. He, he thinks that Jeremiah is, is, is treacherous and lying to him. He's out to get him. And then Jeremiah is sitting there under house arrest in jail, and his cousin Hanamel comes with an insulting request. Buy the land for 17 shekels of silver, which kind of, is kind of offensive. If you remember back, Abraham bought a plot of land for Sarah for 400 shekels. Uh, David bought a plot, a place, to, just a little piece of land for an altar for 50 shekels. So he's, just, he's kind of insulting him, and he, and he actually doesn't ask, he demands. Jeremiah, this is your duty and your right. You have to do it. And Jeremiah says, okay. Not just because it was the right thing to do, but it was because that was what God had told him to do. Because God had made it clear to Jeremiah, though so many people didn't believe what Jeremiah had to say, God had made it clear to Jeremiah that even though Nebuchadnezzar is there now, Nebuchadnezzar won't always be there. And even though you'll be taken away soon, you're going to come back here after 70 years and you'll build and plant and buy and sell here once again. And he put the deed in a clay jar so that the testimony of the transaction would last. So the testimony to God's truthfulness would last. See, see faith looks like Jeremiah who buys a piece of land when the, when the property market was, a, it's a terrible time to buy. Faith, faith looks like the three men in the fiery furnace. It looks like these three men who not only say, I trust God above all things and I believe in God above all other gods, so they refuse to bow down to this image of gold. But, but then these three men, when the king says, bow down or I'll throw you into the fire, guys, you can throw the picture up, they say, we don't have to say anything to you. Did you catch that when I read it before? We do not have to defend ourselves in this matter. The God we serve, they know what he's able to do. The God we serve is able to save us from the fire. They know what he can do. But even if he does not, they don't know what he will do. We will not serve you, King Nebuchadnezzar, or bow down to the image of gold you have made. Now, that's faith. They, they know that their God could. He had all power. They knew that their God cared about them. They were not far from His mind. They knew that God would save them somehow, either from the flames or in eternity. They just didn't know what He was going to do in the moment. They were living in this great, I call it the great perhaps. Maybe. But when, you're, when you live in the perhaps and you live in God's hands in that way, it's a good place to live by faith. Faith looks like the widow of Zarephath. You can throw the picture up. 
Oh, no, it's Abraham. Sorry. Wrong, wrong story. I'm not going in order. Faith looks like an old man Abraham and an old woman Sarah who hadn't had children for a long time, ever, who looked to their God and said, God, you can give life where there is not life. Looks like that. Now the widow of Zarephath. It looks like a widow to whom the prophet Elijah came and said, I just want some food. And she said, I got nothing left. Me and my son, we got to eat something and then we're going to die. And Elijah said, trust God. Feed me and your son and you will have plenty to eat. It, It looks like that. Faith looks like the Apostle Paul standing in the Areopagus, right? He's preaching to this crowd of the the philosophers and thinkers of the day who who were agnostic perhaps at best. They They believed in some sort of God, but it was not the true God. They were the thinkers. And Paul stood in front of them with a simple testimony to the God who created the world and put them where they were, when they were, so they would know him. That's what faith looks like. Faith looks like a widow who took her last penny and gave it as an offering. That's faith. Trusting that when you give it to God and you trust Him with your whole life, He will care for you and protect you. Now, now, I'll admit that when you look at all of these stories, and we could have, I could go on and on and look at more stories with you, these are kind of like the, the big ones. You're like, oh, I want to be like that, right? I want to be like the three men in the fiery furnace who, I'm, who are not afraid of the fire. I can say that now, but when I'm staring at a furnace that's being heated up, I think I might be more scared. I don't know what I would do. I'd like to say I'd be like them, but I just don't know. You know, all of these stories, they put in front of us an example of faith that, to me at least, from from an outs, it's kind of unattainable. It's it's more than I can be. So let me give you some examples of what does faith look like, perhaps that are a little bit more regular, a a little bit more like us. What What does faith look like? It looks like forgiveness between brothers and sisters in Christ. It looks like God's people who so trust the forgiveness that they have from God, who so treasure what He has given them at the cross, that they want to give that to their brother or sister who sinned against them. That's faith. It's forgiveness and reconciliation between brothers and sisters in Christ. What does it look like? It looks like husbands and wives who understand their relationship to their God, it, it looks like a husband who knows that, that the Lord is my Lord. He is my, he is my groom. He, it looks like a husband who knows where he, he's, that he's loved by the Lord, and so he freely loves his wife. Generously, just like Jesus loves the church. It, it looks like a wife who is not afraid to submit. Because she knows that, that just like she submits to, the, to Christ, so she also submits to her husband in love. That's what faith looks like. It looks like children and families, parents with their children. It, it looks like children who, who see their parents and say, this is the one whom God, these are the ones whom God gave me, and they honor and obey them 
as representatives from God. And it looks like fathers and mothers who see their greatest joy, their greatest responsibility in life is to be like God to their children, to to bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord who see that family devotions, reading the Word and being in the Word and drawing near to God together is their highest crown. It it looks like like people who go to work, who, who see that part of their worship is working hard for their bosses. And it looks like bosses who see that their greatest work is to treat their employees fairly and rightly. It looks like them just doing their work. It it looks like Christian citizens who know that they belong here and they have a responsibility to their other people here to vote and be involved in what we do as as a city and as a country. It looks like Christians who understand that they belong here and have work to do here. It looks like people who are on their knees in prayer. Who, who see that one of the ways that they can wage war against the temptations, the wickedness of the evil one, is to be on their knees praying for everybody else, calling on God that His kingdom would come, praying that we, we would be delivered from the evil one. This is what it is to live by faith. We trust God for salvation and forgiveness. We trust God in His Word, and then we live our lives on the basis of it. God, help us do it. Amen? Amen. Now the God of peace grant you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Amen.